Chapter 36 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Deluge, Volume 2, by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Jeremiah Curtin, 1835-1906. Chapter 36. After that victory, Charnyetsky permitted at last the army to take breath and feed the wearied horses. Then he was to return to Sandomierz by forced marches and bend the King of Sweden to his fall. Meanwhile, Harwamp came to the camp one evening with news from Sapieha. Charnyetsky was at Chersk, whither he had gone to review the general militia assembled at that town. Harwamp, not finding the chief, betook himself at once to Pan Mihau, so as to rest at his quarters after the long journey. His friends greeted him joyously, but he, at the very beginning, showed them a gloomy face and said, I have heard of your victory. Fortune smiled here, but bore down on us in Sandomierge. Karl Gustav is no longer in the sack, for he got out, and besides, with great confusion to the Lithuanian troops. Can that be? cried Pan Mihau, seizing his head. Pan Jan, Pan Stanislav and Zagwoba were as if fixed to the earth. How was it? Tell by the living God, for I cannot stay in my skin. Breath fails me yet, said Harwamp. I have ridden day and night. I am terribly tired. Charnyetsky will come. Then I will tell all from the beginning. Let me now draw breath a little. Then Karl has gone out of the sack. I foresaw that, did I not? Do you not remember that I prophesied it? Let Kowalski testify. Uncle foretold it, said Roch. And whither has Karl gone? asked Pan Mihau. The infantry sailed down in boats, but he, with cavalry, has gone along the Vistula to Warsaw. Was there a battle? There was and there was not. In brief, give me peace, for I cannot talk. But tell me one thing. Is Sapieha crushed altogether? How crushed? He is pursuing the king, but of course Sapieha will never come up with anybody. He is as good at pursuit as a German at fasting, said Zagwoba. Praise be to God for even this, that the army is intact, put in Vordyovsky. The Lithuanians have got into trouble, said Zagwoba. Ah, it is a bad case. Again, we must watch a hole in the Commonwealth together. Say nothing against the Lithuanian army, said Harwamp. Karl Gustav is a great warrior, and it is no wonder to lose against him. And did not you, from Poland, lose at Ushche, at Volborg, at Suleyov, and in ten other places? Charnyetsky himself lost at Gowom. Why should not Sapieha lose, especially when you left him alone like an orphan? But why did we go to a dance at Varka? asked Zagwaba with indignation. I know that it was not a dance, but a battle, and God gave you the victory. But who knows, perhaps it had been better not to go. For among us they say that the troops of both nations, Lithuanian and Poland, may be beaten separately, but together the cavalry of hell itself could not manage them. That may be, said Vovodyovsky, 
but what the leaders have decided is not for us to discuss. This did not happen either without your fault. Sapio must have blundered. I know him, said Zagwaba. I cannot deny that, muttered Harwamp. They were silent a while, but from time to time looked at one another gloomily, for to them it seemed that the fortune of the Commonwealth was beginning to sink, and yet such a short time before they were full of hope and confidence. Charnyetsky is coming, said Vordyovsky, and he went out of the room. The castellan was really returning. Vordyovsky went to meet him and began to call from a distance. The king of Sweden has broken through the Lithuanian army and escaped from the sack. There is an officer here with letters from the voevoda of Vilno. Bring him here, cried Charnyetsky. Where is he? With me. I will present him at once. Charnyetsky took the news so much to heart that he would not wait, but sprang at once from his saddle and entered Vorodyovsky's quarters. All rose when they saw him enter. He barely nodded and said, I ask for the letter. Harwamp gave him a sealed letter. The castellan went to the window, for it was dark in the cottage, and began to read with frowning brow and anxious face. From instant to instant, anger gleamed on his countenance. The castellan has changed, whispered Zagwaba to Pan Yan. See how his beak has grown red. He will begin to lisp right away. He always does when in anger. Charnyetsky finished the letter. For a time he twisted his beard with his whole hand. At last he called out with a jingling, indistinct voice, Come this way, officer. At command of your worthiness. Tell me the truth, said Charnyetsky with emphasis, for this narrative is so artfully put together that I am unable to get at the affair. But tell me the truth, do not colour it. Is the army dispersed? Not dispersed at all, your grace. How many days are needed to assemble it? Here Zagwaba whispered to Pan Yan, he wants to come at him from the left hand, as it were. But Harwamp answered without hesitation, Since the army is not dispersed, it does not need to be assembled. It is true that when I was leaving, about 500 horse of the general militia could not be found, were not among the fallen. But that is a common thing, and the army does not suffer from that. The hetman has even moved after the king in good order. You have lost no cannon? Yes, we lost four, which the Swedes, not being able to take with them, spiked. I see that you tell the truth. Tell me then how everything happened. Incipiam, I will begin, said Harwamp. When we were left alone, the enemy saw that there was no army on the Vistula, nothing but parties and irregular detachments. We thought, or properly speaking, Pan Sapieha thought that the king would attack those, and he sent reinforcements, but not considerable so as not to weaken himself. Meanwhile, there was a movement and a noise among the Swedes, as in a beehive. Toward evening, they began to come out in crowds to the sun. We were at the Voivoda's quarters. Pan Kmichits, who is called Babinich now, a soldier of the first degree, came up and reported this. 
But Pan Sapieha was just sitting down to a feast to which a multitude of noble women from Krushnik and Yanov had assembled. For the voyevoda is fond of the fair sex. And he loves feasting, interrupted Charnetsky. I am not with him. There is no one to incline him to temperance, put in Zagoba. Maybe you will be with him sooner than you think. Then you can both begin to be temperate, retorted Charnetsky. Then he turned to Harwamp. Speak on. Babinich reported, and the voyevoda answered, They are only pretending to attack. They will undertake nothing. First, said he, they will try to cross the Vistula, but I have an eye on them, and I will attack myself. At present, said he, we will not spoil our pleasure, so that we may have a joyous time. We will eat and drink. The music began to tear away, and the voyevoda invited those present to the dance. I'll give him dancing, interrupted Zagwaba. Silence, if you please, said Charnetsky. Again, men rush in from the bank, saying that there is a terrible uproar. That's nothing, the voyevoda whispered to the page. Do not interrupt me. We danced till daylight, we slept till midday. At midday, we see that the entrenchments are bristling, 48-pound guns on them, and the Swedes fire from time to time. When a ball falls, it is the size of a bucket. It is nothing for such a one to fill the eyes with dust. Give no embellishments, interrupted Charnetsky. You are not with the hetman. Harwap was greatly confused and continued, At midday, the voyevoda himself went out. The Swedes, under cover of these trenches, began to build a bridge. They worked till evening, to our great astonishment, for we thought that as to building, they would build, but as to crossing, they would not be able to do that. Next day, they built on. The voyevoda put the troops in order, for he expected a battle. All this time the bridge was a pretext, and they crossed lower down over another bridge, and turned your flank, interrupted Charnetsky. Harwamp stared and opened his mouth. He was silent in amazement, but at last said, Then your worthiness has had an account already. No need of that, said Zagwaba. Our grandfather guesses everything concerning war on the wing, as if he had seen it, in fact. Speak on, said Charnetsky. Evening came. The troops were in readiness, but with the first star there was a feast again. This time the Swedes passed over the second bridge lower down and attacked us at once. The squadron of Pan Koshitz, a good soldier, was at the edge. He rushed on them. The general militia, which was next to him, sprang to his aid. But when the Swedes spat at them from the guns, they took to their heels. Pan Koshitz was killed, and his men terribly cut up. Now the general militia, rushing back in a crowd on the camp, put everything in disorder. All the squadrons that were ready advanced, but we effected nothing, lost cannon besides. If the king had had more cannon and infantry, our defeat would have been severe. But fortunately, the greater number of the infantry regiments with the cannon had sailed away in boats during the night. Of this, no one of us knew. Sapio has blundered. I knew it beforehand, cried Zagwaba. We got the correspondence of the king, added Harwamp, which the Swedes dropped. The soldiers read in it that the king is to go to Prussia to return with the elector's forces, for, he writes, that with Swedish troops alone he cannot succeed. 
i know of that said charnyetski pan sapir has sent me that letter then he muttered quietly as if speaking to himself we must follow him to prussia that is what i have been saying this long time put in zagwaba charnyetski looked at him for a while in thoughtfulness it is unfortunate said he aloud for if i had returned to sandomierge the hetman and i should not have let a foot of them out alive well it has passed and will not return the war will be longer but death is fated to this invasion and to these invaders it cannot be otherwise cried the knights in chorus and great consolation entered their hearts though a short time before they had doubted meanwhile zagwaba whispered something in Genjian's ear he vanished through the door and soon returned with a decanter seeing this vodiovsky inclined to the knee of the castellan it would be an uncommon favour for a simple soldier he began i will drink with you willingly said charnyetski and do you know why because we must part how is that cried the astonished pan mihal sapieha writes that the louder squadron belongs to the lithuanian army and that he sent it only to assist the forces of the kingdom that now he will need it himself especially the officers of whom he has a great lack my vodiovsky you know how much i love you it is hard for me to part with you but here is the order it is true pan sapieha as a courteous man leaves the order in my power and discretion i might not show it to you well it is as pleasant to me as if the hetman had broken my best sabre i give you the order precisely because it is left to my discretion and do your duty to your health my dear soldier vodiovsky bowed again to the castellan's knees but he was so distressed that he could not utter a word and when charnitsky embraced him tears ran in a stream over his yellow moustaches i would rather die cried he pitifully i have grown accustomed to toil under you revered leader and there i know not how it will be pan mihal do not mind the order cried zagwaba with emotion i will write to sapu myself and rub his ears for him fittingly but pan mihal first of all was a soldier therefore he flew into a passion but the old volunteer is ever sitting in you you would better be silent when you know not the question service that is it said charnyetski End of chapter 36 Recording by David Granville Young